This is Ashley Kelsch, and you are listening to Modern Renegades, episode number 85. Welcome to Modern Renegades in the Name of Love, a podcast that dives deep into understanding our bodies and minds on dating, sex, relationships, and all the things that we do in the name of love. Each week, I'm going to be interviewing doctors, professionals, experts, and the die-hard love nerds to gain insight, get advice, or just riff on this human condition that almost everyone is trying to figure out. Happy Friday, you sexy things. So happy to be recording with you today. It will actually be the last day in my downtown apartment. My little faithers is all settled in New York. Coming home after spending 10 days with them in the city left me feeling I had a lot of confidence. I had so much confidence. That's the one thing I felt really good about, seeing them navigate their way through and around the streets and the city. Faith, well, Faith has a sense of direction, which did not come from me because I'm convinced that like whatever direction I'm facing is north. And like everything in me is like, go this way. And then I do, and it's always the wrong way. Faith doesn't have that. So that's very reassuring for me. Also, our conversation that we recorded last week was such a special moment. I've never received so much feedback. So many of you commented on their specialness and their introspection and their uniqueness of our relationship. And for some of you, there was a lot of gratitude expressed, hearing them explain their pronouns the way they did. I was so proud and I learned so much even in that conversation. And it sounds like you did too. And I just love that for us because what are we doing if we're not learning? One thing that's been asked about in the past is like, people are like, well, how do you feel about your child identifying as them or they and being queer? And the way that I feel about Faith Christine is this, I love my child unconditionally, not because their sexual orientation, not their name, not their political views, not the way they dress or what their hair is looking like. Those things, those characteristics, personality traits, belief systems, what have you, I, those are their things, but it's not, it's not them. And I, I love all of those things about them. I actually really appreciate it because it's all, it's all very thoughtful, but on a cellular level, I love this being and it doesn't matter right? And they're teaching me more about what it means to be a female, honestly, and to be a woman in this world than I was taught by anybody. So they keep expanding my education and my awareness on different concepts. I'm learning so much about tolerance. It's beyond the bounds, really. I get to practice that in the world with others, accepting others for their beliefs, practicing loving people unconditionally. That's way easier to do with my child, <laughs> but that's, that's what that is. You know, we're all on our journeys and that's for a reason. And I, who am I to, who am I to question that? I just know that I learn and I love so hard and that's what faith has taught me. And I think that's, those are the only lessons I think I'm forever grateful for that, but let's get down to the deep, shall we? I was with my buddy last week for dinner. And we were talking about, guess what it was? Yep, that's right. Love, dating, relationships, as we do. And he said, I want you to find the one. I want you to have that person. 
Well, because it turns out he was talking to some of his friends who were like, what is it that Ashley really wants? Does she know what she wants? Because obviously my podcast is updating y'all in real time and you are getting the real deal. What I'm trying, what I'm starting and what I'm ending and what I'm figuring out as I am figuring it out as it is happening. So I can see how that would leave you wondering, what is it that this person wants? Just over 90 days ago, I decided to try celibacy and end things with my lover, which lasted you know, more than two, like 18 days. I keep really steadfast with this 18 days, but here's what I discovered from that, that I was trying to control and manage everything around me. And I thought if I wasn't dating, that I would be able to focus more on faith and on my work. And I thought that if I started 90 days, I could figure out if I really wanted to be with my lover. And I thought if I completed the 90 days, I would come out feeling empowered and confident And what I thought was wrong. I didn't need to fuck with anything around me to focus on my work, to focus on faith or my relationships or my feelings about myself. As a matter of fact, over the last 90 days, my life has unfolded exactly as I wanted it to without me doing anything. I had the most incredible summer with faith I created a new blog, My House of Other, and the content that is going on there is just flowing. My writing is flowing, and the lover and I are no longer. Furthermore, my sense of self has never felt stronger. The last 90 days went exactly how they were supposed to without me having to press. I stopped thinking, and I started listening. I stopped searching outside of myself, which is a habit I've had for as long as I can remember. When things seemed like they were falling apart in my relationships, or I should say, like specifically like my marriages, or even at work, I would just start driving and looking for a new location or a house, thinking this will solve that problem. This will fix me. But I'm finding that sitting through and allowing the things to unfold, not trying to fix and control, is actually opening me up to listening to my own inner wisdom. This isn't to say that I don't make plans or have goals, but there is a difference when we're making them from a place of fear and stress or lack, thinking things will be better in here in my heart if I can just rearrange all the outside world. I know now, and understanding this has been so liberating. You know, many people date and look for the one in an attempt to complete themselves in an attempt to feel seen and loved and worthy. As you know, I do believe that our relationships are the most worthy work. Our relationships will bring us up to ourselves and show us ourselves in a way that we cannot see without this other person intimately in front of us. But this doesn't prevent you from knowing yourself or living a full life. Not having this person isn't going to stop you from living your best life. Waiting for someone to save you from yourself will prevent you from getting to know yourself intimately. If you don't spend the time to repair the wounds that you carry with you now, you will only bury them just deeper and then they will come back to the surface. The work of loving you and knowing you, this is the way to attracting the right partner. Otherwise, you will keep choosing the people who will 
see you as you do, who will validate that low self-esteem. When you see how amazing and beautiful and funny and talented and rich and full your life is, when you see things, see you for who you are and love you for who you are, you will attract a partner. I've actually come to believe that it doesn't matter the choice you make so long as you're making this place from your truth and abundance. I've been listening to my son talk this last year and fret about what decision to make next when it comes in regards to college and career and the weight of if I do this or if I don't. There's an inability for him to make a decision at all because he thinks that there is a wrong one. That if he doesn't choose the right path or have the right answer, his entire life will be fucked. And we've talked about it. And as much as I sit back and and I listen and I'm letting my kids try to figure their own way, I had to interject myself. I was like, bruh, you are creating paralysis by analysis and you're not taking any action. And it's more simple than you think. You have two decisions. You choose one. You try it. You go all in. All in. And if you decide, this isn't for me, this isn't what I want to do, then you stop. And then you do the other thing or you try something out. That's actually how life works. And then you get to decide what it means. This is everything, right? We try things and if they work, we keep doing it. And if they don't, then we should stop. And then we do something else. This is life dating, relationships, love, it doesn't matter. You get on the apps, you go on the dates, you stop having sex, whatever. You do whatever you think is best for you and you go all in. And that's how I choose to approach all this shit. You try the things, you collect the data, you look at the results, what's working, what's not. Do more of what you like and less of the stuff that isn't going towards the life you want. In regards to me and my love life of finding the one, and I said this the other night when I met somebody and I told my buddy the other night at dinner, I'm in no rush. I know without a doubt that one day I will have that person, that companionship, that relationship. But for now, I'm in no rush. I love right now. I'm choosing to look back over these years and see how far I've come. The breakups, the going all in and it not working, the loving at full capacity. It has all been worth it. The 90-day celibacy that lasted 18 days, what I discovered and learned from that experiment was surrender and discernment and trust. I cannot explain or measure for you what it's been like to integrate and embody that. Because that, and you can, my friend who I'd like to go to dinner with, who I'm referring to in this conversation, a word that really has been, I shouldn't just say a word, but an action to surrender has been something I have really struggled with. So to be able to just trust and surrender has been liberating. I love where I am today, but I couldn't be here without putting myself out there. The going all in and taking those big risks that come from meeting and dating and getting into the relationships and choosing love. And I would do it all over again. I'm really enjoying my life and I'm really enjoying my choices and I'm enjoying my time with me. Like I'm exactly where I'm supposed to be. You know, I was actually speaking of exactly where I'm supposed to be for 
fucking 13 years. I guess I moved here 13 years ago. I've been a huge fan of tennis for like 20 some years. I think the first time I watched the U S open Andy Roddick won, and I was like, I want to go to that. Mandy Moore was in the stands and I was just so enamored with the whole tournament and tennis in general. And I was like, someday, someday I want to go to the U S open. And then that turned into one day I want to go to all the opens. When I decided to move off Maui, part of the reason I came to the mainland was just like, I want to be able to go to us open and go to Wimbledon and go to the French open. But like, I can't do that living out here. And 13 years later, after moving here, I found myself sitting at the us open. And I mean, just going there, walking in, I was like a kid at Disneyland. I have not felt that sort of excitement and turn on and thrill in my body. I, I do not know when it was and it was just so exciting to be able to do that. And I've totally put it on the Instagram. I was like, bucket list. And I happened to have these really great seats. And I happened to get a lot of comments and direct messages and a few text messages from people that they were like, where'd you get those tickets? Oh my gosh, great seats. How'd you get those tickets? And I was like, um, I got them on Ticketmaster. <laughs> You know, I just, I just like went on Ticketmaster and I bought my tickets and my, my other guy friend was like, okay, big baller. And I was like, yeah. And I texted him back and I was like, no one treats me better on a date than I do. I'm actually my best date. I get myself the best seats and we were laughing and I was like, dude, no, really. And I sat there and I thought about, I was like, I buy myself flowers. I take myself to great dinners. I wear my favorite lingerie basically on the daily. I'll buy myself jewelry. I dress up. Do not get me started on sex with me. Like I'm still convinced I'm my best I've ever had. Like this might be why I'm in no rush because even when I'm not with someone, I'm like fulfilling all my needs. I'm romancing myself. Like it's so awesome. And maybe I'm like Cher where she's like, you know what? Men are a luxury, not a necessity. I don't know. I did announce a couple of weeks ago that I'm going to date casually, but I'm going to ditch the rules of the past because the truth is I don't really date casually. This is up for debate, but let me just explain. I'm more of your classic meet someone and exhaust it and see if they are the one. This is just what I've done. I watch my friends do it. It's like what we do. I like to put all my time and energy into one thing, basically fall into monogamy immediately and then see what happens. And if it doesn't, great. That was, you know, six months of my life. No big deal. Onward and upward. I don't want to do that this time. I don't do the dating apps. People think I should do dating apps. And I thought, you know, why not? Maybe I will. But it, it brought up this memory when I got divorced the first time. This is the inside scoop onto why I have fallen into monogamy over and over and over again. So I, the first time I got divorced, I was so excited to be single and meet all the people. And at the time, the idea of even getting to talk to people sounded exhilarating because I'd been so conditioned to not engage with other men. Like I couldn't even look at other guys. So this, the whole idea was like, oh, this is going to be so much fun and so exciting. But I didn't really know how to date. I'd gotten, my husband and I met when I was 19, 20. I was 27 when we were got divorced. Not not that big of a deal, but I hadn't really dated. So I was on Maui. There were no apps and I had two babies. So I did then what I 
kind of do now, which is I went, I just started going out with my girlfriends to all the things. And I ended up meeting this one guy who was interested in me and I was definitely attracted to him. And he was working as a bartender in a restaurant and my friends and I would stay until like closing, which on Maui was 10. <laughs> He'd walked me to my car one night and we had this insane makeout session. So bear in mind, hadn't touched anyone, you know, in almost like eight years. And this person was like around my age, whereas my husband had been like 20 years older. And it was like classic body up against the car, hands pulling on clothes, heavy breathing, his body hard against mine. And honestly, like I call that classic. I don't know if that's classic for you, but it seemed really classic at the time or now, but honestly, like the whole thing freaked me the fuck out. Like the chemicals in my body, this pure like passion and other level of hot. And I was like, I cannot be that. I can't be like that. I'm a mom. And this is just, it's just too much. And he was so direct about his interest in me and for me to call him. That's right. I He wrote down his phone number, like on a piece of paper and then gave it to me. And then as soon as I got home, I threw it away. I just was like, no, he is like the devil. <laughs> so God. Yeah. A few weeks later, I saw him at another event and he was hanging out with a group of people, which eventually combined with ours. And he called me out for not calling him. And he asked if I would reconsider that. He said, yeah, I really like you. And I said, you know what? I'll give you a call, but I, I need your number again. I, I threw that away. So he gave me his number. Later in the evening, a friend who was with our group came up to me and she said, hey, I know the two of you are talking, but he just asked me out and I'm going to go. I hope that's okay. Look, I know it's not going to be anything but I just need to start going out and he's way too young for me. So you don't need to worry, but I just wanted you to know I'm going to go on a date with him. And I was flooded with so many different emotions. Not like the good ones and the uncomfortable emotions that I had from our makeout session. It was more like, I remember thinking, I am not made to date. I'm not cut out for this. I don't want to do it. This feels nauseating. I felt just ick. I felt icky. And true story that night I met who then became my second husband. What's really funny is that like eight or 10 years later, I was visiting Maui and I took faith to get coffee at one of our, my local spots that I had gone to while I had lived there. And we were sitting outside completely jet lagged, but mesmerized by the feelings of being home and I looked over and he was at the table next to me and my body lit up and he was like, Hey, I haven't seen you in some time. How are you? And we exchanged pleasantries. But after faith was like, are you okay? And I was like, yeah, why? It's like, you don't seem okay. As soon as he started talking to you, and I was like, no, 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 I'm so good. I'm fine. I just told faith like, no, it's just just interesting to see him. But the truth was like his energy and his charisma and the way he looked at me still hit me. It still got me. I couldn't believe it. But the point is I have been avoiding that other feeling that wait, he asked you out and end me. And what does that mean? And all of the emotions that came with that, the, the insecurity and the jealousy and the 
the what? <laughs> like I've been avoiding that feeling like the plague. And I don't know if it's like cool to say plague in a pandemic. Maybe I shouldn't be saying that. I don't want to sound insensitive, but it felt so dangerous. Like I could get hurt dating him and, or dating like that. And the irony in this whole thing is that he actually, it turns out, wasn't a player. Shortly after met the woman, he is still married. I mean, he was, last time I talked to him, they were still married and had a family and quite happy together. But this story came rushing back because I've identified that I don't date casually and put myself out there like this and fall into monogamy because I'm afraid of the feelings from the fallout and the rejection and it not working and what it looks like, et cetera, et cetera. So I spend my time with one person who I will say I consistently feel at, I think like I'm, I'm, I'm more into like, I want to feel safe and I want them to be calm and predictable because then my brain's like, Oh good. We we won't get hurt here, which isn't, it's not true. Everybody, (laughs) you can still get hurt. (laughs) But this is Renegade, so this is exactly what has fueled most of my actions when it's come to dating and, and or not casually dating. And I have a laundry list of rules that prevent me from even dating most people to begin with. So I've started to evaluate all this and I've decided not only does this like not serve me, but I'm missing out on meeting people and just having fun. Like this doesn't have to be so serious. I don't have to date with like, you have to be the one I'm looking for the one. Like that's what this has been. This, like I've said at this point in my life, I'm like, I'm actually, I'm so good. I'm not in a rush for that. I know that's going to happen when it happens. I just want to have fun. And when I'm not putting myself out there and, you know, trying to avoid the rejection and the no's and I'm not interested, I'm missing out on the, on the human experience of that 50, 50 that comes with a full life. Because like, no matter what we do while we're here on this planet, that will be our human experience, which means you're going to have all the good feelings 50% of the time. And then you're gonna have the negative ones 50% of the time. There is just no way around it. Even if you try to avoid them, like I have, like I still have when I'm doing the monogamous date one person at a time, I'm still dealing with it being good 50% of the time and bad 50% of the time. So it's like, doesn't really, the grass is just the grass. whether you're tending it on this side or on across the street, but me not putting myself out there, that attempt to avoid the rejection just means I'm like kind of rejecting myself ahead of time. And this is what we do, right? Before someone asks me out, I've already determined how and why it won't work. My brain is gathering evidence to confirm it every step of the way. We don't even stand a chance renegades, but this is what our brains are designed to do. Just look for the bad, judge a situation in a person. If your brain is like mine, you might even use this against yourself. Like look for all the reasons why they won't like you judge yourself for them and find the exit. None of it feels good or is fair for you or the other person, but this is how your brain works. So we want to be really mindful of that, which is why we're ditching the rules. We're going to focus on a few key words for me. I have some words that are, you know, how a lot of people right now are like, choose a color to describe that experience. I'm like, I don't know if I can really do that. But what I can do is say, I would choose some words to describe what I want to experience. I want discernment, self-advocation, and trust with an overall theme of fun, right? So one of the rules that I'm ditching is I'm going to not judge thyself or thy neighbor. I like to do this thing where right away, like I had mentioned, 
my brain's like, you're not their kind of woman. And my brain will totally like tell me he would never take you home. You're not someone they want to get serious with. You're kind of like a novelty that they just want to have fun with and they don't know it yet, but you're not fun. Like other women, you're kind of serious, kind of a homebody. Y'all it's bananas, but I will say this. I've gotten really good at just observing my brain doing that because I've been putting on paper for so long and I see it and I'm not, I don't really experience it, but it's interesting because it still comes up even though I'm not like subscribing to it and I don't believe it. I just, like I said, I know this is what the human brain is designed to do to protect me and keep me safe. So it's going to start with the negative thinking. And here's where I remind you, don't take the first think, interrogate the fuck out of yourself. Like I said, you put that on paper, ask what you're thinking and what you're feeling. And if I was into me, what would I believe about myself? Like I like to write little love letters to myself. Do you know what I mean? I gather the evidence to prove my brain wrong, how I'm misinterpreting what's going on. I remind myself I'm the one creating the story and experience for myself. What do I want my story to be? And I write that out. Byron Katie, when she says, you know, when I walk into a room and I feel self-conscious, I just remind myself, everyone here loves me. They just don't know it yet. So while dating and doing this dance of getting to know someone, that in-between space of text and dates, et cetera, where we start to feel that doubt and that insecurity and question ourselves, what did I do? Maybe he's not into me. Did I say something wrong? Should I text? Should I not? All that shit. I'm just going to be loving myself very hard during that and not make their lack of response mean something negative about me or make my response mean something negative about me. This is all very doable for me. I don't really struggle much in this department unless, unless I'm going down with a little bit of that PMDD. And I will tell you during my third or fourth week of my cycle, when my estrogen has dropped and I'm like, lacking all the serotonin, I'm feeling low and I'm unbalanced and I'm emotional. This is when I know to be even more mindful and nurturing of myself because I fall into this. No one loves me. No one likes me. I'm all alone. And I obsess the fuck over shit. Like where's the response? What do they mean? What's going to happen? I bet they're lying. They think this about me. It's crazy, but I know what's happening so I also know this isn't a time for me to like really engage at a certain level, chemically speaking. And I acknowledge what's happening here by putting that on paper too. And then I really focus on grounding and self-care practices because my brain is not, it's just, I just, I'm like, bitch, you're crazy right now. And if anyone said that to me, like, I don't know, actually, I might be like, no, you're totally right. <laughs> I am. You should not talk to me from these dates. That's, that's where I've gotten this expression of like, go with the flow Weeks one and two of my cycle, I am like on top of the world. I'm confident. I feel amazing. Nothing's going to get me down. And then as I start to enter into that third and fourth week, I'm like, it's fall. And then it's the winter of my discontent and nothing, nothing makes sense. My work doesn't make sense. What I'm doing in this world, me being a mother, a friend, a date, what have you, none of it makes sense. So just go with the flow, y'all be mindful of that flow. Okay. Here's something that is new for me that I've done before in relationships. Like when I'm serious with somebody, I'm not gonna say I haven't done this when I'm like, sort of like talking to someone new, but the past couple of years, pretty much not. I'm, I've been pretty strict about this, like sexting. I have a real thing 
about this. So, because I think trust is really important here, but I've also realized this is kind of a fun and safe way to play and get to know someone before sharing my intimate self. So I wouldn't necessarily advocate for like sexting strangers. I'm not suggesting that necessarily, but people that you're like newly dating, this could be so fun, right? Like body energy. I'm reading goddesses never age and I'm obsessed with this book, but they talk about when a female body shares their sexual energy, it stays in the other person's like aura, their psyche and their body for 30 days versus when a male body shares his sexual energy the female will carry it for a year. Now, I don't know if that means a man would carry the man's energy for a year. This is a good question. I'd like to know that, but I'm just reading about goddesses never age and they're speaking specifically to the femme body. So I apologize for not knowing how that all works out, but I do know from what they said, a year, an entire fuck. I don't even carry the same handbag around for a year, let alone someone else's sexual energy. Like, I feel like I need a cleansing, quite frankly, when I think about it sometimes. And so that part where I'm like discernment, I'm thinking sexting is a great way to get to know the other person, to flirt, protect your energy until you know you're ready for that exchange. Until you know. The reason that I'm bringing this up is because I did have an experience where I did this. And I will tell you, I was like, I had to Google (laughs) I like forgot how to sext and talk dirty, I guess. I legit, not that I don't talk dirty, but I was like on the phone and then I don't know what to say. I don't know how to do this. So I Googled how to talk dirty. (laughs) Sat there when something came up, I was staring at my phone. I was like, Bish, really? Like, what are you doing? I totally had like a come to marry moment and then reminded myself who I am. And then I closed it out and I took a deep breath. And I just asked myself what I wanted and how I wanted to feel. And then I put that down and I hit send. And good God, I had so much fun. It really turned me on for like days. And I wrote all these amazing essays and I had all this creative flow going. And I still was able to like preserve and protect my aura, my energetic field, if you will. You know, here's another thing about it. There's some people out there that are in a lot of pain and their hearts are broken, and they're not feeling 100%. And I understand what it's like to be in that position, in that place. I totally get it. But I don't want anybody's wounded dick energy up in my business. I don't, because then I have to carry that around, and I'm not interested. So sexting seems like a really safe way to avoid that for now. Okay. I used to not I've been very serious also about, I will not date men who are newly single. This was a very hard line in the sand. Very hard line. If you were out of a relationship and it had not been a year, I was not going to date you. I felt and believed that you need a good year after relationship to work through being single and shedding off the patterns of being in relation and kind of like go crazy and wild and lose yourself for a little bit and then come back around to wanting to be, you know, serious. But this is also an attempt low key to not get hurt if they're not ready. So like if someone is coming out of a relationship and they're wanting to date and you're looking for something serious and maybe they're not, then yeah, there's a fairly good chance that you, you might actually be 
aligning with the wrong person, right? But I don't think this is always true. I remember when I was at a relationship or even now, I had already done the work and was so good by the time it was over. I had let go and I wasn't carrying any hard feelings around. I was out of that patterned way of being and was ready. And I can keep an open mind that when someone else tells me that they're ready, that they are. And besides, like I said, it's dating. It's not marriage. It's just like a time of getting to know someone and yourself through that experience. So let's just keep it light and stay open to whatever this is right now and let it be what it's going to be later. But nothing infuriates me more than someone not believing me when I say how I'm feeling or what I believe is good for me. So I'm choosing to believe people when they tell me they're ready, regardless of their timelines. Now, I will say this because it did happen recently. I had met somebody. Yes, you can tell my dating life's really picked up over here, hasn't it? (laughs) I met somebody who after like a week of us texting and talking, he sent a text and he's like, I'm all fucked up and maybe I should hire you. And he had gone through a breakup, but we hadn't talked too many details. So turned out it was like a few months before. And the minute he said, I'm all fucked up and maybe I should hire you. I cut the cord, the energetic, emotional cord just done. I was like, he's not ready to have fun and date. And I don't want anything to do with that. So as the texting and the calls continued, I did let him know. I knew he wasn't ready. And I was so fine. I was like, I'm fine to be friends, like, but nothing more like this isn't going to be anything serious because going back to what I said earlier, this person's energy would be on me for a year. And I don't want wounded, grief struck, sexual energy penetrating this. I'm telling you, this is actually like for me years ago, many years ago, I would have been like, Oh, it's cool. We can keep talking and he'll get over it. And maybe I'll be the reason he'll find happiness or some bullshit like that. And I'm like, no, I believe the ones who say they're ready. And I definitely believe in the ones who say they aren't. And I think you should too. Let's just believe the people when they tell us, even if, even if they're not directly saying it, you know, when someone's not ready, you know, okay. Dating apps. I'm on, I'm on just one which is fine. I don't, I'm not like really on it right now. Like this past week since I've been home. Yeah. I don't know. I, I was using it in New York. So that was interesting. Cause there was obviously like so many more people that I've never met versus here. I do know some of the faces on there. Like I said, I haven't been on this week, but when it's like once a day, unless someone, I get a message, but yeah, I'm just connecting, seeing where it goes, not overthinking it. I did I will say like, I, now I totally get how some people are like, you know, the conversation like kind of starts and then it drops off. And if you don't meet within a few days, I think you lose that momentum. That's at least been my experience, but I'll tell you this much. Instagram has become like my new dating app. And I think all y'all were probably already doing this. I've never engaged with Instagram like this before, but now I'm like, Oh, Hey, what's up? (laughs) And one thing that really was a real epiphany for me. (laughs) Stories. I don't watch stories because I'm making a lot of stories. So I don't have time to watch stories. Plus I want to talk to people in life and know about you. But anyway, someone had sent me a story of a guy. She knows that we have mutual interest in one another. And I thought, huh, do I want to look at this story? 
yeah, okay, no, I'm going to watch the story. I watched the story and then I found myself like having things to say and it's like, wait a minute. Yeah. Okay. I'm commenting and now we're having a conversation. Oh my God. Stories are conversation starters. This is brilliant. I get it. Like this is what keeps you engaged. Okay. That makes total sense now. Sorry. It took 10 years, but here we are. And I don't know that this other dating app has that feature, but it would make sense to me if we had these sorts of like engagement conversation starters. I don't know things that, I don't know, get you talking. Cause if you don't have something to talk about and you're just like, Oh, Hey, what's up? And it's a stranger. It is kind of weird. That being said, I also have decided I don't want to give my number out to people until we've established some rapport and I'm going to just keep it on apps. I'm going to, so if someone asks me for my number, high chance that I'm going to be like, is it cool if we just like Instagram for a while and like get to know each other there and feel that out before? Because never have I felt more protective of my space discernment and my phone obviously gives you direct access to my personal space. And I don't think we should just be giving our phone numbers out to everybody. I don't know you guys. People just start texting you. are like, I, I don't, I actually don't care. That sounds so shitty, but I'm like, please don't send me. I don't, I don't care. Like we're not there yet. Like when you just meet somebody, like I don't want to see pictures of your food. I don't want you asking me questions about how to date. Like this is my space, <laughs> please. When we're friends, if we're dating, if we, we, if we get a past a certain level, then you can have my phone number, but we have got to stop giving that out so easily. If you ask me, it's like my second brain. It's always with me. It's an appendage. Why would I just give that out to anybody? I'm actually thinking a landline would be really fucking cool. And definitely nobody would have that number, but I'm not sure yet. I don't even know if I have like a a phone jack for that in my next place. What else am I doing? Right. I've already said this. I'm just having fun. Read my lips. Hear me loud and clear. We are not getting serious right now. We are dating multiple people. We're having a good time and that's it. And I want you to do that too, if you're interested and we can have so much fun doing this, but oh, the self-advocation. We, this probably might be the most challenging thing for all parties involved. People have a very difficult time telling someone that they're not interested because we don't want to let them down. We don't want to offend them. We don't want to hurt their feelings. We also don't want to have our feelings hurt. We don't want to feel rejection, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But what I'm thinking and what I want to encourage and what I want to learn to do is I want people to know when my no is my no, that it actually has nothing to do with your worth. Dr. Alexandra Solomon talked about this on our episode about consent my no or your no is not about our self-worth. We can feel the disappointment that comes with no or being rejected and not make it mean something is wrong with us. I can say no thanks to someone and let them manage their own emotional experience. It's not my work to protect you from experiencing the emotions that come from being let down. I'm not suggesting that like your world's going to end when I'm like, I'm not interested, (laughs) but you know what I'm talking about. When we are interested in someone and then we express like, 
I'm not interested. That's disappointing for some people. And then that's hard for us to sit through when someone else is uncomfortable. This is so good for all of us as adults to experience our emotions, to evolve, to have the capacity to feel this and know that it's not about our worth. That my no is not like your no to me doesn't mean it's over for me and that I'm never going to find the one. Like, I think it's really important that we focus on staying attached to the outcome and not the people. Meaning if you know what you want, the life you want, the kind of person you want and the love you want to experience and how you want that to go, then go after that. Go after those feelings and that life and that dream, but not the person and the people along the way. And you have to trust me on this. Learn to let go of the ones who are not aligning with the love and the life that you want. And you just love the fuck out of yourself along the way. You continue to build this big, sexy, fun life. And you look for all the ways that life is like turning you on and offering you pleasure in these moments when it's not with that person, knowing that that person it will come when it's time and not a minute sooner. We can have so much fun getting to know us, dating, experiencing all the fun feelings and all the uncomfortable feelings. We can still experience romance if we're not dating. We can still experience all the turn on, even when the person isn't present. I promise. Let's keep it light. Let's keep it fun. Let's not take things too seriously. Okay. Until next week, Renegades, stay on. Renegades, thank you for tuning in and turning on each week. In addition to subscribing to this podcast on Apple or Spotify, I want to invite you to join me on another journey. I've created a space called House of Other. It's an unedited guide to finding pleasure. People assume I know good sex, where to go for a date what hotel to meet your lover at, what to wear, what toy will make you orgasm. They're not wrong. This has literally been my life's work, from running a lingerie store for 10 years and curating the best lingerie and well-being products, as well as recommending new ideas and places and experiences that might enhance the energy between people sexually, evoke eroticism, to working with and coaching people on their dating and love lives, and writing about it. House of Others is a space where you will find my ratings and reviews on my experiences, opinions, and recommendations of products, places, and spaces I'm indulging in. I'll be here to tell you just how orgasmic the latest object is, how pleasurable the product feels, if the shower was really doable, and the hotel a portal for you and your lover to escape. Safe to say, I'm not looking for rooms with Pelotons. You'll also find conversations and essays addressing all things clitoracy. I love connecting. I love an orgasm a day. I love the process of going out. And I love the process of trying to figure out new ways to make the ordinary unordinary. And I really love talking about it. Think of House of Other like a traveler food blog. The difference being I'm rating it with an O factor. I'm taking my tune in and turn on to another level. Join me by subscribing to houseofother.blog. Again, just go into the internet, houseofother.blog, and you can subscribe on the homepage. I'll see you there.